What an amazing guest for our 100th episode. I created this sort of persona, this character around what I thought I had to be and who I had to be. You got a male perspective and a female perspective. We are governed by the environment that we're brought up in and we start seeing things. We go, you would think listening is a first, right? But it is understanding. I thought to be successful, you had to have the big house. And I just made a promise to myself that I was going to be a better man. Hi, I'm Dawn. And I'm Tracy. And we are Real Women. Hello, Dawn. How are you? Good afternoon, Tracy. And it is a glorious, sunshiny afternoon. It is. It is. And get the champagne out. It's our 100th episode. Yeah, woohoo. Uh, and we've got an amazing guest joining us for this very special milestone. So we are joined. We thought it'd be really good. We're always talking about the pressures on women, the life between the business when it relates to women, because that's what we can relate to. So we thought it'd be really phenomenal if we got somebody on our as our guest today that actually can look at that perspective, not just from a man's point of view, but from somebody's point of view that has been head, head coach of a female community with his very interesting wife for several years. So he's not just the wife of Andrew McLean. He's actually a man in his own right. And that is the amazing coach, Nick Feeney. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thank you very much. And I'm most definitely not just the wife of Andrew McLean. I am the husband. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there have been rumours, but it's fine. It's oh, fine. Oh, dear, isn't it funny? But and and as people... Congratulations on 100. That's amazing. And thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And yeah, we, you, I, I ought to warn you now, Nick, we don't edit anything out. So it will go out with the faux pas that I said you're not just the wife because you're not the wife, you are the husband. So sorry about that. But there yeah, you go. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. I, I've been called worse. <laughs> just as we don't edit, can I swear? Because I do yep. have a little swear word now and then. Yeah, yep, you can swear. We are totally unfiltered on this show. Amazing. Love it. So, um, yeah, sometimes we get close to being censored. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's the whole point of why we're called Real Women. You know, we're a couple of women that want to keep it real, want to be honest about what life is. And what is great about what you do, because we were talking earlier before we came on air, you're all about helping men, as well as being in the female uh, coaching industry, you're all about helping men move to a better version of themselves, which I think is absolutely brilliant. And it might be great to start there and help our listeners understand what that all means. Okay, amazing. Well, do you know what? Let, let me take you back to where it even came from in the in the first place, because it all sounds so great. Like, oh, I'm just going to be the best version of myself and it, it, it's all going to be super simple and that. But actually, I I wasn't always a great guy. I wasn't always the best version of myself. I was a very selfish guy, I suppose, like many of us start off uh, how we are when we, when we become young men. And um, also we are governed by the environment that we're brought up in and we start seeing things we go well that's who i need to be that's how i need to be and uh, and i like most men that i coach started living a way that i thought was the only way and uh and certainly it, it put a lot of pressures on myself 
Um, I wasn't always great to the people around me because I was just very focused on being a particular type of guy and I thought you had to be a certain type of way. And um, after years and years... Sorry? What did that look like? Because... Well, do you know what? It's... As an entrepreneur, I thought to be successful, you had to have the big house, the flash cars, the watches, you know... Uh, be a certain way, be a certain type bloke, be at certain events, those sorts of things. Wear certain clothes. You know, we are constantly marketed to, aren't we, to what success looks like. And uh, and I was definitely very impressionable coming from a council estate. Um, I looked at those people when we didn't have much and go, oh, my, that's what success is. That's what I'm going to have. And I, I created this sort of persona, this character around what I thought I had to be and who I had to be to be successful and, and also to fit in in that world. Uh, and it was it was most definitely not me. And I think the thing is, when you start turning up as someone you think you're supposed to be, it goes without saying, you know, you do that, say, one degree over one year, but then you time that and compound that over several years you lose sight of who you really are. And, you know, my world imploded where all of a sudden I kept pushing through being this guy. And, and I, you know, to the outside world, I was successful. I had all those things. Um, but I completely lost myself. And then I burnt out. And basically, I lost everything. I almost lost my health. Um, I got divorced. And I remember just driving out of my beautiful marital home, having left my partner then, my wife of 23 years, two children, and I just made a promise to myself that I was going to be a better man. I was going to take responsibility for who I was and most definitely who I wasn't uh, and work on myself. And, and that was nearly 11 years ago. And I went into therapy for two and a half years, so an amazing woman, best investment I ever, ever made in myself. Uh, I then got coaching, and uh, and I put myself back together. But more importantly, I created a space where I got to know who I really was. And then I realised, actually, the power of that, the power of knowing who you are and what better is because we can sit here and go yeah you're going to be a better version of yourself but if you are starting from somewhere where you're not already you then actually that's a no better version of yourself and that's what i love is actually helping the men and the women that i coach but mainly men really understand who they are and build a foundation of where they're going next and that's why i also deal in men in midlife because people call that my midlife crisis. You know, I was I was 39 years and 10 months and uh, call it what you will. Um, but whatever you want to label it, it's that mess that is now my message. And I look at people in midlife and I say to them, I can see it in them. I can see where they are in that journey. So I like to then help those people Save them time, should we say. Sell them my hindsight. Which is which is great. So if we were to go back, is when when we first met, which was um, 
uh, I don't know, a year or so ago-ish, something like that. Yeah, a year and a half ago. Yeah, so you got you guys, so you got divorced, you had two children, you remarried, uh, Andrea left her daytime TV show, you guys set up a, 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 a thing together where it was called Girls on Fire, which I immediately had course name envy for, by the way. Let <laughs> me just, I'm just saying... For the record um it's such a cool name it's such a cool name so i think this is what's unusual about you is that you are then immersed into being you know really prolific in a huge female coaching demographic which must have really did that how did that improve you as a man in terms of your perspective and understanding of how to be a better man to the women that are in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. Do you know what, Dawn? Um, it, it came before we actually we started the business because Andrea went through um, a hysterectomy and through going through that, she went immediately into the surgical menopause. And when she was going through that, she wrote about it and then she created a book because when she announced that she was taking time off work to go and have that operation over ten thousand women got in touch in 24 hours to the show let alone the thousands of people that got in touch with andrea and andrea bless her when she literally came out of the theater and could actually you know be a little bit uh, awake started trying to answer people i'm like y- y- we're never going to get there and i knew nothing about the menopause then and i went on that journey with her learning about it but also listening to the horror stories that were out there with other women where quite honestly and this is nothing to do with money this is pure location and timing andrea went to a doctor got recommended a specialist, saw a specialist, really helped her out, had a couple of other issues, and the person that did the hysterectomy happened to be an expert on one of those issues and helped her out. So it it just, you know, her experience, whilst, you know, I'm not going to say it was easy, she couldn't believe the horror stories that she was hearing from people with some of the basic stuff that she thought, oh, my God, how is your doctor not helping you with this? We have a regular guest on, Laura uh, Applewhite. She she's, she had a hysterectomy, late 30s, early 40s, I think. She now coaches women with early hysterectomies. And mm. she's not a medical professional. She will constantly say, knowing what questions to ask, knowing, you know, the, the experiences are pretty shit for a lot of people. So at least Andrea, for a bad situation, she, she had at least good a good, solid... Definitely. And then through writing the book, she then, it was all about what questions to ask, what information, because again, we've all got the amazing internet, but you don't know which one's accurate, which one's not. There's so much information out there. So it was very overwhelming. And for the women at the time, you're already going through an overwhelming experience. Um, Plus you're trying to understand what you've got going on in, in your body with the hormone changes and everything. So we wanted to make it really quite simple. And then that's how we got This Girl Is On Fire. It was the name of the book as well. 
well, actually, that was the name of the next book. But it was all about educating women through those challenges that they were going through, helping them feel empowered, build their confidence back up. And it was just going through that organically, having lives, doing Zooms, you know, having these massive group, we call them coaching or masterclass sessions, and just listening, listening to the stuff that was being asked, the experts that we brought on. It just made me sit there as a man and go, holy shit, we have it so easy. And then I'm looking at my daughters going, oh, my gosh, how can I actually learn more about the stage of life that they are so I can be a better dad? And this is and this is where it all started. I mean, what I look at, sorry, Tracy, I was going to say, because you're, you're talking about, you know, Andrea going through all of this. It'd be quite interesting to know because. You know, I'm single, so I didn't even know I was going through my menopause, let alone having anybody else to join in with it. But interesting point from a man's perspective is you must come across a lot of men whose whose wives are going through the menopause. How do guys get on with the fact that this, you know, for many women, they turn into a complete beast. Let's be honest, they they become a beast. So from a man's perspective, what you know, what is it on the other end of that? What what experiences are some of the men having whose wives or partners are going through this situation? Yeah, no, again, great question, Tracy. Because the thing is, like what you just said, whether you're single or even with someone, there's most women do not understand that they're going through certainly perimenopause and then, you know, on full menopause. They don't know. They just think, what the fuck's going on? You know, yeah, emotions feel so real, and so you genuinely think you're irritated for genuine, yeah, definitely. Genuine yeah, but also, there's there's no you can't put your hat on something. It's just it's such a multitude of things. So then, from a male's point of view, and I often, fun enough, I get this on the golf course. <laughs> I play, so I do like a, some golf society day. So I often play with men I've only met on that day, and we get talking, and then they talk about certain things. Oh, my business! You go, oh God, my wife's being a right fucking nightmare at the moment. You know, I don't know what's wrong with her. So I go, well, hang on a moment. You know, let me ask a few questions, and we ask a few questions. By the time I finish that round. He's already ordered my wife's book so he can understand what his wife's going through. Because I've explained to them, your wife doesn't fully understand what she's got going on at the moment. Now, you can sit here and go, oh, my God, she's crazy. But I tell you, if you just carry on like that, you are not going to have a great experience. So if you love your wife and you want to stay with your wife, I suggest you educate yourself on what she's going through at the moment because right now most of them feel incredibly scared and are losing their mind and themselves while they go through this experience and they'll be overwhelmed trying to find the right sort of advice and help out there so do your bit right and read this book so you know how to work with what she's got going on at the moment and you know what i will say hats off to them once i had that conversation I think there's been only two blokes that have gone like that. Sorry, I don't care. Every one of them has, has, has ordered it, right? And I've had messages back going, oh, my God, Nick, brilliant. Thank you for this. I now understand 
and they all say, I'm so glad I'm not a woman at the end, you know, <laughs> but they, they know so much more about what they've got going on and they can work as a team. And that, that's what you want in any relationship with whatever you've got going on. And that leads quite nicely on to why we wanted you on in the first place. So although this podcast is called Real Women, um, it it was never going to be at the cost of demonising men, Tracy and I, that doesn't fall into our values. And one of the things that we feel really strongly about and what makes you such a, a brilliant man, in, in my opinion, <laughs> in you. our opinion, is is... And we were talking before, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's about having conversation. It's not about saying men are right, women are wrong, women are right, men are wrong. I think if we can, if we can talk to each other, and so as much as it's important for men to read a menopause book to be able to support their wives, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I think it's still as important for women to listen to the pressures that men have, and and you know. And be able to appreciate that together. So um, I'd really love to speak to you as a midlife man who's fucked it up quite a bit in one's former <laughs> life and been born again. So fair. <laughs> That's fair. So now you're midlife, you coach midlife men looking for the best version of themselves. From a man's point of view, talking to a female audience, and if you were to want to expose some of those things to women to get you know to get those balances can we talk about the pressures that that midlife men have and some of those pressures that perhaps men should talk about more and just as importantly women should seek to appreciate and understand too yeah of course um do you know firstly i think i think i think the reality is um You've got the you've got perspective in general, you've got a male perspective and a female perspective. Okay. So there are lots of times that we're not going to understand each other, where we're coming from. You well, know. It's impossible, isn't it? Because you're a man, I'm a woman. We can empathize, we can appreciate. But I think if at least we seek to have conversations, at least hundred percent. 100%. Yeah. So we have to be kind to ourselves that we're not always going to understand the other person, but we're definitely not going to be able to understand them if we don't have those intentional conversations. And I always say to the people, because um, you never, never assume, right? But I always say to the people that I coach, do you love your wife? Yeah. Do you like your wife? Yeah, because they're two totally different things. Yeah. Right? Oh. And do you do you want to stay with your wife and in a happy marriage? And they're like that, yeah. I just need to know those answers. And by the way, flip that round to the women. Do you love your husband? Do you like your husband? And do you want to stay in a happy marriage? Because if you do, then it's not about whether he pisses you off or, you know, whether you get it or not. It's what are you going to do? to try and understand it. And this goes for both sides, okay? What can I do, right? What can I take responsibility for to be a better wife, to be a better husband? And by having intentional conversations with each other, you get to know a lot more about where they sit right now. We all come into a busy home, right? 
and you're like, hey, how's your day? Yeah, it's good. What about yours? Yeah, it's great. Kids are driving me mad, whatever. What's for dinner? Blah, blah, blah. It's all surface level stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? But we think... It's boring, really. I mean, it's boring. Yeah, but we all think we're having these conversations, but they're not. They're just just exchanges, right? So one of the things that we do as a a family is every dinner, every mealtime that we're together, we sit down and we all have intentional conversations. So we will go, okay, how was your day? Oh, yeah, it was all right, blah, blah, blah. Tell me what was great about your day today. And you go, oh, well, this happened, this happened, blah, blah, blah. What about your day? So you have more, imagine an onion, right? Every time you ask a better question about the same thing, you take off a layer, okay? And then you might get down to the core. We go, do you know what? Actually, thinking about it, I got a bit pissed off about this, and this is the second time it's been happening at work now. It's starting to frustrate me. Ah, now you're at a point where you can have a deeper meaning conversation. But if you don't have those intentional conversations, right, where you ask the next level question, the next level question, you will never open that person up. And also, certainly from a man's point of view, they are the the ones again yeah everything's awesome everything's great yeah everything's amazing yeah all right so if you can get to that point in a relationship where you can go okay tell me what's amazing why is that amazing one of the uh one of the things i think that we're being really general here and we're, we're generalizing but i think a lot of men and women would would agree on this women would say I try, and when he comes in and I talk to him and he doesn't bloody listen, <clears throat> and a lot of men, in fact, my husband says this to me regularly, Dawn, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, is one of his favourite sentences. So, uh, so, but again, I think there's one of those things where we are, men don't listen, right? But what I find interesting is actually between men and women, as you've just said, men are the ones less likely to express. <laughs> um, and do women, and when we do, we're talking really generally here, do you think that we just go, oh, they don't like talking and we don't try and peel the onion? Well, I think the thing is, again, it's so difficult to generalise, isn't it? But let's go back to perspective. Okay, if if I've just um, come home from work or you've just come home from work, right, and you think, oh, right, I better ask them about their day and all that. How's your day? How is it? You're like, fuck's sake, I've just come home from work. Actually, I'm still trying to decompress from my day. Right. Let me have a moment. You know, some men like to take themselves off to the bathroom and sit there for an hour, whatever. Some men like to, you know, grab a beer, whatever you're into. Right. Allow that decompression to happen. And that's why we do it at the dinner time. No phones at the table, just us and conversation. Now, some people couldn't think of anything worse than having a conversation at the dinner time. But find your time. But I wouldn't always say it's when they're walking through the door. You know, and I think that's the thing. We almost do it too soon. Yeah. Let everyone just have a moment let them have a moment and and this is where having conversations between the differences of male energy and female energy is really important because then 
I can understand why when you walk through the door, you're decompressing and you're not ready to hear me go on about the kids for half an hour or or equally when you walk in the door if I've had a particularly bad day and I need to offload you can go okay I know I'm decompressing but actually this is her way and having those conversations is where and then being intentional about about how to figure out a rhythm that works for both is is really important what are the main pressures can, can I add in one thing there, Dawn, as well? What we must also make sure that we don't do is judge. Because, so, for example, I did this where um, my, my, my first wife would say something about, like, uh, her day, right? And she was a stay-at-home mum. She's a great stay-at-home mum. Okay, and she'd say something about her day. And I'm running a business with 50 staff and four offices and all that. And I was like quite dismissive. Like, God, if that's all you've got to worry about. But actually, who am I to say that? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, again, my learnings are everyone's challenges are their challenges. It's not for us to go, well, on the challenge level, that's only a two. I'm on an eight. But, you know, I, I'm guilty of that. As well, well we know, all do it I've and we shouldn't. Yeah, I've had to work on this. You know, um, I think in our marriage, both both my husband and I have successful businesses and that's good. Um, I have still taken on a traditional role, although he was always hands-on with the kids, but where I contributed is, I guess I, I'm the mum and in my belief system, I have you know I took on I've done more of the domestic and the homework and the you know uh the things that we do and um and work full-time so and and I know several women my age group bear in mind we're kind of the first generation if you like of 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 women who are having big careers and raising children and I look at my daughters my daughters in their 30s I look at at those women and they're getting it a little bit more balanced I think than what we did and so it was really easy for me to say, well, you don't have to do as much as me, rah, 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 rah. And, and, and actually, um, I had to, I had, we had to reevaluate that narrative because it really had a dent. He then translated that, that he wasn't good enough almost. Although mm. my husband doesn't do not good enough. He absolutely rocks his own, like he's the most confident man in the, world really but in terms of our marital narrative I I if I'd have had a less confident man that would have been probably really impactful if that makes sense yeah it um, could be quite emasculating absolutely yeah. but, but so, I, so the 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 judgment thing I think is right we we, we shouldn't judge judge each other um so what but also Dawn it, it, it's also about the judging is like not only should we not judge right is is actually sometimes and this is something that i've got a lot better at is when you go into those conversations sometimes you just want to vent yeah and one of the things that i was always guilty of and it's taken me years and even now and then especially because of what i do for a living i have to hold myself back is I try and fix everybody, everyone, right? And sometimes people don't want that. So I have to say to Andrea, and I try and do this, and she's listening probably through the walls and going, <laughs> you don't do it enough, you know? But 
do you want me to listen or do you want my help? And sometimes they just want you to listen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then, and, and the same with children, by the way. Yeah. yeah. They don't always want you to help them. They want to come home and go, I had a really bad day at school and this happened and my teacher hates me and everything like that. Sometimes just repeating it back to them, wow, that sounds like a really tough day. And your teacher, wow, so she hates you. Goodness me, that must be difficult. We as parents, and same as husband and wife, we try and fix. No, clearly she doesn't hate you. You know, uh, it wasn't that bad a day. And And sometimes people just want to be heard. So we have to remind ourselves, especially you, Dawn, you, Tracy, very, very capable women, very, very capable at juggling plates, very alpha traits in you. Oh, sort it out. Just do that. Get it done. Blah, blah, blah. We have to remind ourselves, even alpha men now and then just want to be heard. Yeah. And that's it. And actually, that that is, uh, I mean, we've talked about it before on on, on other uh, uh, podcast episodes that we've done. Um, from a marriage point of view, um, I'm, I, my husband and I have to revert back to very feminine, masculine roles, um, and and I had to, I had to swallow that, <laughs> mm. in order to, you know, I had to acknowledge that that was where there was some there was some conflict because of course, you know, so we, we readjusted that some time ago. Um, and thankfully touch word, although we piss each other all the time, obviously. And then I revert straight back into crazy our psycho and then do my thing and piss him off as well. But you know, we try, <laughs> we try. Um, I, think, so, I was going to say, I think there's lots of people in this world, men, children, women, Sometimes that's all they do want to do. They want to vent. They want to know there's an empathetic ear as opposed to somebody who's going to take control and solve the problem. That's n A lot of people don't necessarily want their problem solved. They just want somebody to hear what their problem is. Yeah, and what I've learned in, in fixing things for other people is not empowering other people at mm. all. Mm. And contradicting how they feel and you've just used a typical example which we've probably all done a version of a kid comes home my teacher hates me and our response then is of course they don't whereas actually that's 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 dismissing the way they've translated something mm -hmm. um and it's only as i've got older that i've same with you nick actually i had to work on that once you realize mm, fixing everything isn't always the thing um, and I think men struggle with that because naturally they are fixers. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. So two two things here, right? If you if you are encouraging your your wife or your husband, right, to have a conversation with you, and you either shut them down, don't intentionally listen, or try and fix them, right? They're going to be less likely to keep giving you this information because they're going to think, oh, all they're going to do is just shut me down try and fix me, right, or not even hear me, right? So if you, if, well, it's that two push. If you've got a push and a push, you've got friction, right? If someone pushes and you allow that to happen and you pull it and you take it, then you pull that information out of them and then they pull it out of you and it becomes a nice ebb and flow 
okay especially like um, with the children like you said you need to empower them to a speak their feelings okay not suppress them and also maybe their teacher does hate them right it's true. It's <laughs> maybe it's actually true yeah. right? and that's the thing now we just go into parent mode and go, oh no it's all good it's all lovely the world's all lovely and actually and sometimes it isn't so and i think it was you that said this dawn as well if we if we help someone too much we're not helping them because then they become all of a sudden reliant on that help and stop helping themselves and we all know that actually we need to empower more and more people to help themselves yeah the um in my industry the council tried that with universal credit universal credit was born out of a desire for people who needed the support of the government it was it was done to help them manage their own money the the sad thing is though is that it was a carte blanche right we're now going to pay you all of your credit and you have to pay back to the point where they had to pay their council tax back as well but what they didn't do they didn't comprehend that some people needed help to understand money in order for that process to work and that's the same i think with human beings we can empower each other, not solve things for each other, but at the same time, we have to understand where the individual is that we're working with or that we're with. We have to understand where they might need tools or support and help where they need it and back off where they don't. 100%. If you don't know where someone's starting point is, right, how can, how can you help them effectively? You might then just be giving them a plaster, right? And you're you're not stopping the bleeding, and I and I think it's so important. Um, certainly, again, it's something that I massively do because I get men, a lot of my men that come up to me. Yeah, I want to do this, I want to do that. I I want this. This is a bit annoying, but I want to get better at this and blah blah blah. And you go, okay, hang on a moment. Let's find out who you are first. What, what do you mean, who I am? This is me. This is what I do. Blah blah blah. And it, it get, so actually I say, well, hang on. And we spend the first session just asking questions that they've never asked themselves. And we get to know who they are. Some of them end up crying. Right? And I, I will ask them, you know, I'm not trying to set anyone up. I'm not trying to trip anyone up. But everything is projected outwards. They do not spend a lot of time looking inwards. And for the first time, I get them sitting down for an hour or 90 minutes and I get them looking inwards. And they come out and they think, shit, I didn't know that was in me. I said, because you weren't looking. You never looked. So what are the top things, what are the top three things that, that if you were to identify a pattern with kind of reasonably successful midlife men, um, who want to be a better version think something something's a kilt with them they come across uh life coaching or whatever and, and and what what do they think they're coming what are the things that they're asking for what do they think they need so i get a lot of my work through where people hear me speak or or do a workshop and i may say something so the number one thing that i say that really gets men talking to me is where, especially if they're dads of daughters, I will talk about that you are the first man that your daughter will love and you are setting the blueprint 
for what a man is and isn't. And if they were to take that blueprint and in X amount of years' time bring a version of that man back to marry, would you be happy with the man standing in front of them? And if not, what needs to change? And some people are like, how do you treat your wife in front of your children? Because they're looking and they're going, right. And by the way, for sons, they're looking at, oh, that's how you treat a woman. Yeah. That's what you do. You know, so, so that's the number one thing where they just actually get to a point. And then they look at themselves going, oh, my God, I know what I was like when I was younger. Right? And by the way, every, every, every most men I know look back at when they were younger and going, oh, my God, please don't yeah, have my no, daughter. I've got three, no, I've got three sons, I, I, honestly. It, they sh they sh they're very generous with their love, Nick. Well, do you know what? That's great. Right? Yeah. And I know them, <laughs> or certainly one of them. <laughs> and uh, but but that's the thing, you know. And if if you only know what you know, okay. So it's easy for us to look back now in hindsight and go, "Wow!" But when you're living it, when you're in that, and your primary focus. By the way, if, if you're under twenty-five, you haven't even developed stuff to even think correctly so you're very driven by your ego which is very primal um you know and it's like next next at whatever cost so that when you start talking to men in in midlife and they're starting a family and you know and also i've had one particular guy i mentioned something in a conversation um and this is the second thing is where they've been so driven to be successful they haven't looked at the cost and then they start realizing the cost is they were in a loveless relationship, but they've got the car they want. Right? Or they've hit the number that they want that quarter. But they're arguing loads. And she just doesn't get it. I do it all for her so we can have the nice holidays and things like that. But the funny thing is, you get to a point after a couple of nice holidays, and, and women are really, really good at this. And they think, oh my gosh that nice holiday costs me. So those nice two weeks cost me 10 months of crap. Yeah. Actually, I'd rather not go on the holiday. Yeah. You know, and they don't often have that conversation. So it's when men start looking at what that success, whatever they're chasing. Yeah. And the cost of it. And then the next thing, and it's related to that, is when they start looking at their health. When they, either something happens to them, physically or mentally or one of their friends certainly like a sudden death or a sudden illness or something like that and they start realizing that this body that yeah this body they've taken for granted that they've been drinking and eating whatever and sometimes doing drugs and you know not sleeping and all that and just treating it like an absolute machine realizing that this vessel has got to take them through the next X amount of years. And for it to do that, they need to seriously change their habits and behaviours. Otherwise, it's not going to make it. And they look at their dad bod and they just think, oh, my God. Because for years, 
They could eat anything. They could drink anything. It didn't matter. And uh, so they're the three things, the three sort of key indicators where men sort of have a moment, their own sort of like midlife crisis. And what I would say, by the way, is women have the menopause as an actual natural reminder that their body is changing and and things that you're getting older. Men don't really have that. They might lose their hair. They might have a lack of testosterone, but that can also be down to bad diet, you know, a number of things, a number of things. Um, So we don't have a natural thing, an indicator to show. And that's why for men, it normally takes something quite external or something that happens to them, like they, they lose that job or something, they don't get that promotion. And they think, shit, getting old. And then they start either looking for help or unfortunately they go the other way and start looking for something else. And that might be a sports car, that might be a younger model, you know, it's all those things. Because one of the things that they don't have normally is the understanding of what questions to ask themselves. You know, these guys are only little boys that have just grown up. And if you haven't got that person, that role model around you, and most of our parents of our generation certainly are not those role models. You know, they might sit there and go, oh, I've been married for 40 years. Yeah, but you fucking hate each other. Right. Right. So the only, I mean, my husband, he um, is probably one of the most, dis- when it comes to physical, he's, he's a martial arts instructor, but it's more than that. <clears throat> Forget what he does for a living. Him as an individual, he trains every day. I've been with him over 30 years and, and has always trained every single day of his life. He, think, he would think it was monumentally wonderful when he was young if he managed to train himself till he vomited. That was marvellous. He'd done a great job, you know, when he was young. But because, because it's uh, in a fighting environment, uh, the impact to his body, now he's in his 50s, mm. and interestingly, he's not quite as invincible as you know i mean for his age he 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 he's pretty good going and i i'd still put him toe to toe with many a young young one but the impact on his body and as he sort of started going through you know his 40s and i'm like mm, maybe you need to train differently but he'd so defined himself by his ability to be able to train at this extraordinarily elite level with massive impact to his bones and his joints and his body um it probably took him 10 years to be able to not feel a lesser version of himself by just training differently and we finally got there what i love at the moment he he goes for a five mile walk every day now that sounds normal for a lot of people to walk but if you knew h and how his training ethic is and and i'm so pleased i I mean i think we probably started having this conversation about 17 years ago so it's not took long for him to get his head (laughs) but i'm really pleased that that he's and you know something he's in 
in one of the best shapes of life. But it took me saying to him, uh, you know, this was this was probably a decade ago. What is the point of you punishing your body the way you do? Because for six weeks afterwards, you'll get an injury. You know good to anybody anywhere like uh you know and that was oh and he mm. really struggled with that whole i think the thing is you know is that i mean clearly that's his identity been all identity. known for, yeah. for so long right thing right yeah well it, it, you know but it's, it's also the same for women because i think one of the biggest challenges for women as their body changes and certainly when you start going menopausal you, you know, there are so many things that are out of your control, right? So many things. Yeah, like, like my belly fat right now that's bigger than my bottom. That well, you referring to things like that. The <laughs> belly fat is just one of those big changes that you you know you can do as much as you want. If if it's gonna if you are gonna be one of those women where it sits at, there is there is not a lot that you can do. Also sits in your boobs or whatever, you know. So then they spend a lot of time. And men are the same, but slightly different. So women will look at, oh, but when I was 20, I used to look like this. You know, only five years ago, I used to look like this. But we keep looking in the mirror, okay, the rear view mirror of what we used to be, what we used to be able to do, what we used to wear, what clothes we used to fit into, okay? They say comparison is the, the thief of joy, yeah. but most people see that in when they compare other people. But the biggest thing that we do is compare ourselves today for who we used to be yesterday. And that person is no longer you. So we have to accept that we are changing daily with that. And the same thing for men. Now, we men hold on to it tighter, I think, longer right because the thing is from a manly point of view right when we start feeling an age then we might start going yeah but look at those boys yeah i'll still run rings around and i'll still do that because that that's your masculinity you feel that the changes that you're going through are challenging your masculinity and therefore you still need to be that guy when you were 20 you know you hear a lot of 40 year olds and 50 year olds go i'm fitter now than when i was 18 i'm fitter now for when i was that and you know what it you may be because there is no rhyme or reason why you can't be we don't have the same physical challenges as women so you know i know i'm 50 i'm 51 this year i'm in great shape i used to be in really great shape when i was 18 i'm probably as good a shape then right probably couldn't run as far right but the point is so we can still do it but my type of training is not what i used to do when i was 18 and i think we all have to be kinder to ourselves and realistic what got you here will not get you there and like, you know, certainly, so I used to do a lot of martial arts when I was younger and I've, you know, I've been punched in the face and things like that and kicked around the head. Um, and uh, I didn't do a lot of that because I just didn't like getting hurt. Um, but years and years of doing that, you can still be great at martial arts, but I would imagine Pilates and yoga will be where he's best spending his time and going for those walks. Because also we have to look after this because if we're constantly fighting who we used to be and getting up every day and aching in the process 
actually what we're doing, we're almost self-harming our, yeah, yeah. our, our own confidence and um, our own I, self-worth. I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't understand it. It made no sense to me. And it, all he would say, and, and it's exact, what, what you've said is so profound and I absolutely love it. And if there's only one golden nugget today, it's, it's to remind ourselves not to compare ourselves to our former self, let alone other people. We talk about, you know, external comparisons all the time. We don't think about internal. But I didn't get it because I'm like, oh, my God, you can still. His, his, his physical capability is extraordinary. So in my head, for when you're 39, 40, 45, 50, 50, no, I would say to him, for your age, you're still phenomenal. But he, that was irrelevant to him. He was mm -hmm. still comparing himself to you know when he was in his heyday and i didn't get it i didn't and just thought i well i probably dismissed it more than what i should really but um so if there was if there were some if there were three things that you would love women to appreciate regarding the pressures of men what do you think you would like to present you know the first thing that comes to my head is is going back to what i said honestly these grown men we are just those little boys just a few years older <laughs> and not a lot of men we're getting better but not a lot of men um look inwards enough we don't nurture ourselves enough and that's one good thing women are amazing at. They nurture each other. They may not necessarily nurture themselves, but they look after themselves, right? And um, I just think that encourage what that nurture may look like for that man. Um, but, but do it through a conversation, not no, from an opinion yeah. point. Tell me what that looks like then. So, so rather than it making a break. So, so if, I was a pod, if I was listening to this podcast now, and I was thinking, right, okay, what do I, what do I, what do I physically say or do when my husband walks through the door if I want to connect with him, where he is? What, what, what does that sound like? Well, do you know what I do? I, I, I take, I, I take it back a bit actually, and I, and I would look. So, if you're in a relationship and you've been in a relationship for many years with your husband and all that, take a snapshot of him right now, right? It just it, from your eyes, take a snapshot. And you can go, right, what's he doing really well? Okay, where do you think he's struggling a bit? Okay, what part can you play in that? So, for example, I don't know, let's just say he's he keeps saying, oh, you know, grabbing his belly and going all bought and paid for and everything like that. And you go, does he actually mean that? Or is his, is that his way of trying to make himself feel better. Listen for other comments he may make around his health, around other people's health. Does he put, oh, look at that skinny little boy, look at that skinny little man? Because is that a comparison that he's saying, you know, to try and make himself feel better? Because one of the things we do as humans, okay, we always, we look at that mirror, don't we? Often when we put someone down for something, it says more about us, right, than what it does about them. So listen for those comments 
Same with your friends. Listen for those comments. What are they really saying? Okay. And, and then try and have that intentional conversation. And also sometimes you can do it sideways, by the way, because no one likes this, this face-to-face. This is so I was going to come, Macy, weren't you, Tracy? Like, can you imagine the wives and girlfriends right now and, and sisters and, and people with the men that are, you, it's not as easier said as done than to just whop it out on the table, is it? No. But this is where the nurture comes in because one of the things you are really, really good at, right, is being motherly. And I don't mean swamp them, but for example, if you're in charge of the shopping and things like that, so I know, so Andrea, prime example, Andrea will go to me, right, I'm, I'm on a bit of a health kick, I'm doing this, I want to focus on that. Okay, brilliant. I've got that, I hear that, okay? So I do all the food shopping. And the reason I do all the food shopping is I'm the greediest bastard in the house, so I want to know what food is, <laughs> right? And I want to make sure it's stuff I want to eat. But I'm also aware that, for example, if she says that to me, I won't get the packs of Jaffa cakes in. I won't get certain things in because I know it's all right for me. I'll go, oh, I'll eat some Jaffa cakes. And she'll go, oh, I'll have some. And then she would go, oh, and then she'll feel a bit bad that she's done it because she's trying to have this focus. You see, I'm massively disciplined. Andrea is a bit more like that around some of those choices. So she's incredibly disciplined, you know, in her in professional life and things like that. But so listen for those things. What can you do that's going to help them without actually having that conversation? And then when you have your dinner time with them, then have an intentional conversation. Oh, this is much nicer, actually. I think I'm going to eat a bit more like this. You know, and even put it on you and saying, I want to feel a bit healthier. And then they might go, okay, I'll do that to support you. But you actually know it's what they want. They may not always say it, okay? You know, remember, our communication skills, um, I think it's 77% is only through verbalised communication. Right. Right? Look at their body. Look at how they engage. Because we, we often... We always we acknowledge that men speak less, generally speaking, than what women do. But that's a really great reminder, isn't it, Tracy? You know that that actually it sh- it doesn't actually matter that the words aren't coming out because because there are other things. There's yeah. all yeah. But there's going to be all words, sorts of body language, isn't there? Yeah, but also if the words come out, the trouble is they aren't also they aren't always the truth. Truth, yeah, yeah. Right. So what we have to look at and the two basic um, foundation skills of communication are understanding and comfort. You would think listening is a first. Right. But it is understanding and comfort. If someone feels understood and comfortable in your presence. Right. What then comes out is worth listening to. Okay, but if they don't feel understood or comfortable in your present, what may come out is what they think you want to hear, right, to create a better situation around where you are. Does that make sense? It does. It's, I mean, if you take, you know, they say that we've all all got our core and around that is two wrappers. So you've got who you are, who you believe the world sees you as and who Mm -hmm. you put forward to the world. 
And you've got to get rid of the wrappers to get to the core. But it brings me back when you were mentioning about the truth. The example you gave, Nick, had me grinning inside. You know, a guy going, oh, look at this. It's all bought and paid for. The end of that sentence is, yes, but do you still want to own it? Mm, Because half the time they don't. It's bought and paid for, but it's something they don't want to own anymore. So, yeah, it's that listening to get an understanding of, do they just want to vent? Do they just want to share? Or is yeah. this a way of them saying, I'm not totally happy with what this is right now. But yeah. likewise, because of that, I guess that female male communication pattern, we're not going to help them if we storm in, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you should be. No, forget the shoulds, just maybe they'll follow Sue and support you if you decide to do something that will help their dad bod. Yeah. And you know your partner better than anyone, right? So you know whether you can either have that conversation, do it almost subtly, sideways, do it with the children first, and then they're like, oh, what's this? But whatever, you know them, okay? So so work out on, on that bit. But the second tip I would also then give is we all think we're going to live forever. We all think that we're going to, like, you know, this – however we are right now is going to be us for the next whatever years that we end up, you know, living. But the average man in in the UK and US, right, lives to 79. So for ease of maths, right, let's say that's 80. So that's 40 years, right? Now, in your first 40 years, the first sort of five, six, seven, you can't do much yourself, can you? So it's probably fair to say in the last five, six, seven, you may not be able to do much for yourself. And if you've already got a bought and paid for belly at 40, is it possible in 10 years' time, you may not even be able to bend down past that belly and put your socks on, all right? And then when you're 60, because your core is so non-existent, you have a little fall down a curb or something like that. Next minute, you've broken your hip, all right? because you haven't looked after yourself. So how do you want those sort of next 20, 30, 40 years to, to be? So if you then say, so I'm 50, if I live to the average age, which I hope to live longer, and I'm working on my hardy so, but if I live, I've then got 29 summers left, right? 29 Christmases. 29 winters that's it and that's assuming by the way in those 29 that i i'm still healthy and live life with vibrancy and vitality and then all of a sudden i die if i have an illness then i might have nine of those years which aren't great so then i've only got 20 so then how can we in a relationship say okay if we've got 20 30 whatever summers left how do we as a relationship want to live them and start planning? And, I, and we did this um, couple um, coaching recently where she was very worried about the next sort of term of their life. So we said, okay. And she mentioned the term bucket list. And I said, I'm not a fan of bucket list. Okay. I said, but you let's use a theory around it. So what is, what is the, one of the things, if you were to die next year, right, what would you be, devastated that you didn't do because travel i said right so we said to her okay let's look at every year 
you go to 25 different countries. How would that make you feel? She goes, oh, my God, that would be amazing. So if I got to that age and I'd been to 25 different countries, I said, brilliant. Plan those 25 countries now. I said, and actually, take it further and plan 30 countries. So every year for the next 30 years, you're going to go to a different country. You're going to have a different experience. Now, you could just see by her face and the husband as well, their eyes lit up. And now they started getting excited about where they were. Not the minute stuff that when, where are we going to live? Are we going to downsize and things like that? Those things will sort themselves out, right? You Just because you're halfway through, it doesn't mean you're halfway done. You can get excited about life again. Do not sweat the small stuff. There are so many men, again, that I know to go, yeah, well, when I get to this, when I get to that, I won't work as hard. I said, well, what? when you won't work as hard, what are you going to do? Well, I'll go on holiday and things. I said, well, why don't you stop buying fucking expensive cars right and go on more holidays then you won't have to work as hard anyway because you don't need as much money for the cars that you keep buying and and there you are you're already living this life that you're killing yourself for right to get to when you're older and by the way if you carry on like this you'll always have something else to spend your money on so it's 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 start getting excited and start planning a bit more about what you want the next chapter of your life to look like So that's the second thing I would do. And also, the third thing, I would just leave it, and this is for both of you, is is how can I look after myself the best way so that I can do these other things, right? Because if we are going, oh, I feel so this, I feel so that, I'm not sleeping really well, but you're doing two, three bottles of wine a week, right? You're eating processed foods and things like that. Well, that's self-harm. You're not looking after yourself. I've got no problem if that's what you want to do, but stop moaning about the other stuff, right? right? And that's it. Stop moaning about this because what you don't change, you choose. Yeah. So if you look at, oh, again, how you are, and that I'm not healthy, okay. And some people have general medical conditions that that make it difficult. But look around the world. There are people that have had that same condition that still live a fulfilled life. You don't have to be the average person. Well, the average person, it just fucks them. No, it doesn't. What can you do? Take responsibility for who you are and who you're not. And if you're not happy because you're not sleeping, stop drinking the wine right? Stop drinking the coffees, whatever it is, have a better diet, stop going on your phones. There are things that you can do, right, to make that part better. I've got a guy that I coached. Um, I'm still coaching him. And our three month goal was to get him into a better sleeping routine. Okay, and off his three prescribed tablets, sleeping tablets, um, a, a day, and he'd been taking them for three years, wow. okay? When you got to, again, when we started digging deep and finding out who he was and what wasn't working, he was basically doing nearly everything you shouldn't do 
bar a double espresso before night and then wondering why he couldn't sleep and then necking these tablets, which, by the way, by the time he took them and went to bed, he didn't feel like waking up when he had to get up. So then he had to repeat that cycle of loads of coffee and Red Bulls and things like that to try and get up. And and then you just think, hang on a moment. So ask yourself better questions. Look at what you truly want, not what you're saying you want, what you truly want and what you're willing to work for. And then just get on and do it. It um, It's quite funny, actually. You're, you're, the second point you made and a little bit the third and also something you said earlier about look at who you are, not what you were. Um, and focus on this chapter of your life. It reminds me of a video. It must still be on YouTube. I'll have to see if I can find it. But it's literally, they use jelly beans to count the years of your life. And X number, go on sleeping. X, go on eating, whatever. So you're left with, you know, and it'll say, an average lifetime will have this many hours, days, weeks, whatever. And at the end, it comes out with the very poignant question that what you were saying reminded me of, which is this. You know, if you only had one jelly bean left, what do you choose to do? Which is so poignant because that's what came out for me of all the things you're saying. You know, we are who we are. Sometimes we've got to admit this is who I am and what I do is not who I am. And what I can do tomorrow is based on what I choose to do. Um, but yeah, it's so I just found that so poignant what you were saying about that second one. You know, I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through my life. That really hit me when you were talking about that second option. You know, I'm 57 now. That is almost three quarters of the way through a life. Mm. And the thing is, here's the thing, you know, Tracy, I know you work really hard so you can have lots of stuff. But then so you can do what? Right? You know, and if it's like, so one day I can retire so I can go on holiday. Well, is it fair to say that actually... If you, I don't know, downsized, changed a few things, you could actually work less and actually start planning that extra holiday and create that sort of 30 country uh, bucket list and start enjoying those things now, not when this happens and when that happens. And I think it's because, like I said, we all just think that... We're going to be here forever. Yet we say things like, oh, my God, hasn't this year gone quickly? We're in June already. Oh, my God, hasn't this year? It's gone no quicker than any other year. Time time runs the way it runs. But it's quite funny because um, I'm already doing things now that allow me to step back and take it easier. But um, many people know this about me. My working hard is for one reason and one reason only. When I leave this life because I'm one of these people that believe that this is just one chapter in my book um it's so that my son never has to worry and but actually what was and and earlier on Nick because we you know we were talking earlier on Tracy and I um I'm used to Tracy often making decisions based on her son uh, son's future um and actually uh um she's had a very lucrative deal and 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 she started to say i'm going to take it but and if i left it and did it in 15 years and it'd be good for ollie and we actually had this conversation because you know it's so much money that if you did that now like you've worked your whole life tracy i can sit back 
Yeah, it's, it's part of what the phone call is. So those of you that ever get to see the video, you'll notice that about half an hour, 40 minutes ago, I disappeared for 10 minutes because I had a phone call. But yeah, they the price has potentially gone up. But this was what we were discussing, Nick. You know, I've got one of my deals I've done quite a while ago now has potentially got a buyer and we are talking, you know, releasing a lot of money I've had locked in a project, but also releasing a lot of profit. And Dawn and I were saying exactly that. Most of my life, because my two big things in my life, and I've been there, you know, when I was working in corporate, it was all about the car, what I had, the fact I travelled. And yeah, I travelled for work, diddly squat, did that get me anywhere? So I was in that space of all the things. So what I had rather than who I am and who I want to be. And we were physically talking about this, that, you know, family... And my son are my two important things. And it was this choice of mm. if I keep this project, I I could see myself in 10, 15 years where all my money's out and I've still got the project. But then, you know, what you mentioned rings home again. I'm three quarters away through my life. If I sit on this project when, you know, it's it's in it's in a space where we could sell it now, then yes, I'm making something that my money's trickled back out of and my son is now just on that one deal set for life. But I said to Dawn, you know, I don't necessarily want to sit on it because if I take it now, I'm walking away from a future future pot, basically. But I could be dead by the time that happens. So we were talking about exactly that. You know, I, in reality... My son has got his own fantastic career. I've already put things in place that without this deal, he's sorted. He's not going to have to worry. So now it's a case of, you know what, if I take it now, I can put that into something else. I can go and do all the things I want. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, you today. No, but you could actually just retire. I could retire. here's the thing so two things that came up there tracy i mean one well done for you that's amazing right and i had a a a couple of brothers i was coaching um that was doing it together because they worked together they're very very close so it's quite an unusual setting for me but i coached both brothers and they were saying to me we do all this we work hard so then our daughters will never have to worry right so i said to them okay Firstly, worry about what? So we nailed that down. Okay, what would that look like? And then they started asking themselves some sort of better question. And I said, so if you die today, so let's just say, God forbid, something happened to you, where would your children be? Would they still have a home? Would they still have money? Would they still have all these things that you're working hard for, right, so they don't have to worry? And they sat there and they came up with the realisation that actually they'd already got everything in place, right? So then I said, your children want your presence, not your presence, okay? And that's one thing you will never, ever be able to give your children when you're gone. Oh, yeah, time. and it's So yeah. it is so important that whilst we get caught up saying i want to give them this so that they don't have to worry there's always going to be worries there's always going to be problems you just want them to have better problems that's cool right but not at the cost of not having a mum because any any 
any child will tell you when their mum and dad are gone, when they lose a parent, and even if they've inherited lots of money and things like that, they would give it all back. Oh, yeah, just have one more day. And this is what Dawn and I were talking about earlier, you know. If something happened to me tomorrow, whilst it wouldn't be pleasant, Ollie could end up where he had no work and he'd still be okay. So now it's time to go, okay, what's the best solution in this deal for Mm. me? And also what memories can you create together while you're still in this final quarter or whatever it is of your life? You know, how can actually we do more stuff? So the thing as a parent, our job is to make our children as robust as possible, as decent human as possible, so that when we're not there, we know our legacy is that we've got some wonderful children continuing the way that we were. You know, our good bits, not our bad bits, our good bits. And how do we do that? By spending time with them. And also growing together as well. Because again, you know, you are not going to be the same person in five years' time, and neither they. But how wonderful if you share that journey rather sort of then dipping back and forth. Yeah, that's that's what we're starting to do. We're we're starting to share a little bit of the journey because it's you know, he's he spent his young and it's why I got out of corporate. He didn't have my time, but we had all the things we could want in the world. So I went, no, I don't care if we've got to scrimp and save. I'm Mm -hmm. now leaving my corporate world. So, yeah, it's in a really nice, pleasant space. But for once, and it's quite a surprise for me because I come like you. I grew up in a council environment. Yeah, not not much to rub together. I always say, always laugh with Dawn and say we didn't have a pot to piss in. Um, (laughs) We literally didn't. But, it, you know, some of this, and I guess there's other parents out there that are similar, was this desire for part of my legacy to be he never has to go to that space where I felt I was in. Yeah, he's always got something there. But we've now done that. He's now secure for life if I'm not here tomorrow. So now it's about let's do the things that allow us to do things together, but also for me to go and do what I want to do, um, mm. which is bizarrely enough, going abroad and living living on sort of you know in mud huts and things and helping wildlife love it love it but here's the thing though right tracy knowing you you're a good person yeah okay all those challenges that you went through made you into who you are okay right when we when we create an environment where our children don't go through those challenges okay we have to be careful sometimes that they actually, you know, because you know why you do and who you are because of things that you went through. If if people come straight to that point, they sometimes reverse it and go back and make the mistakes because they ha- they don't know how they got to there. They don't know why they got to there. So you spending time with him and sharing that journey, he will learn those lessons. Yeah. Absolutely true, because he certainly wasn't learning up to the age of 13. It was, you know, single mum, good job, had whatever he pretty much wanted within reason. Um, he's he's learnt a lot since he got to about the age of 14. And he's Love still it. learning and he's grown into a wonderful human being, despite the fact he's got a mum that's completely batty and bonkers. But there you go. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, but no, it did remind me at the end of the day, the time we have 
even when you look at the average, some of us will be fortunate and we'll get more. Some will be, you know, get less. But at the end of the day, what is so true that that for me is the key takeaway from today is that we have a finite time. What are you going to choose to do with yours today? Mm-hmm. And like we said, and also if you don't like something, right, change it. And by doing nothing, by the way, you're choosing it. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, uh, so we'll put we'll put uh, your bio and your contacts in the show notes, Nick. Um, thank you for being our hundredth guest. It's been. Um, do you know what's been lovely? That I was expecting more differences between the male and female perspective. What I love about what you've brought today is a strong, masculine, successful, competent man who's able to also admit that he's made mistakes, learned from them, and now sharing that with other men to make them happy. But actually, it's a very human thing. I know that that you're talking to, to midlife men, right? Obviously, but it's such a, it's a human thing. It's a midlife human thing, isn't it? Do you know what I love, Dawn, is is so I I the people that I coach, lots of them are quite successful in business and things like that. And some of them, I've even had one guy say to me, when I originally took you on, I was thinking, what are you gonna teach me? I and it's because I deal in the human condition. Right. I don't care what your balance sheet is. I I deal in the human condition. And because of that, whilst there are male and female perspectives we all suffer from the same thing which is a human condition yeah i love that what a lovely way to finish the show nick thank you very much uh indeed um and i'd love to get you back on uh because i think your insights and your ability to connect is is brilliant and it's really nice to it's really nice to showcase a life coach that actually does change lives and that's brilliant Thank yeah you. it is absolutely brilliant and what what the guests won't have seen that i've seen all the way through this is dawn has been sat in the middle of her backdrop so while mine has actually said real women for the whole of the show dawn's has actually said real men oh yes, that's that's right. how yeah. funny is that <laughs> how how funny is that so there, there's a little note from me but yeah what an amazing guest for our 100th episode Nick's I'm now going to take, take a, picture, a picture of it. <laughs> where, where, I, where I get myself in. Here we go. There you go. Wonderful. I'm going to put that out. Thank you. And thank you for those kind words. And, you know, I know that we know each other and everything, but it's just been fascinating having this this conversation. And, and I know there were there's lots there and it's gone on for a long time and that. But, you know, everything that we talked about, everyone has their version of it and that's where i just think you know there's going to be a lot of value uh from this from this podcast and also hopefully a lot better understanding of where we are but also the things that we can do ourselves yeah you know to make make our lives better yeah phenomenal thank you so much nick it has been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me i've loved it and on that note it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me I'm going to say goodbye as well. Brilliant. (laughs) 
If you've enjoyed our conversation today, please subscribe and download the podcast. To share your thoughts on this episode or to suggest future topics, connect with us on Instagram at Real Women Podcast. And thank you for listening.